with your powers combined, we are fan holes. Go, go, go fan can't believe there's a chat room big enough to hold all of our present bodies. Wow. <laughs> of all the things I missed about the show, I miss Tony being wrong always. We've already got a me. We don't need another me. <laughs> oh boy, of the sheer episode. Ah <laughs> uh, yes, Derek. Lover of lobster women. Defender of Starfire's fidelity. I just want to know, who is the consultant? Who could he be? <laughs> no! I have no <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can relate to a, a talking cat that eats lasagna. I'll okay. do it, but I want to be immediately killed afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Derek, in your Derek lair, do you have a list of that tells you like how to take down the other fan holes? Should we like go crazy? <laughs> how does my stupid voice sound? You sound beautiful. Like ten times sexier. Good job. No one gets us because we don't explain it. Hey guys, welcome back to another Yamato-rific episode of Fan Holes Podcast. Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight. And I am joined tonight not only by two, count them, two of my fellow Fan Holes, but we've got two very special guests from the Two True Freaks Network, and they are here joining us today because of their proficiency and experience in hosting Anime Freaks, where they talked about the anime Star Blazers, and we thought it might be fun to have them on as guests when we decided to talk about the 2010 release of the live-action space battleship Yamato, which is what Star Blazers is based upon. So... I am, of course, Derek, Derek WC, and joining me tonight, why don't you guys give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight. Hey, it's Mike. This is Justin. And this is your first anime freak, Gene. And the other anime freak, Dr. Bill. <laughs> right, so we are here, we are talking about Space Battleship Yamato, which was distributed by Toho, and it was released in Japan December 1st, 2010. And of course, we all probably went out and watched fan subs and all kinds of good stuff before it was released officially on DVD and Blu-ray in the United States by Funimation in April 29th, 2014. And then, of course, as I was regaling the guys, it took me super long time to rewatch this because I was fact-checking and trying to clean up the Wikipedia synopsis of this film. And so I'm just going to try to get through that as quickly as possible. And here we go. It is the year 2199. After five years of attacks from the alien race called the Gamelas, the Earth Defense Force launches a counteroffensive near Mars. The EDF's fleet's weapons are no match for the Gamelas, who easily wipe out most of the fleet. During the battle, Captain Mamaru Kodai of the destroyer Yukikaze covers the escape of his mentor, Captain Yuzio Okida's ship. As Okida's ship gets clear of the battle, we see that Mamaru's ship has been destroyed. Meanwhile, on an irradiated planet Earth, Mamaru's brother, Susumu Kodai, is a scavenger near the half-buried wreck of the battleship Yamato. When a flying object impacts the surface, it sends him flying and knocks him unconscious. He awakens without his protective gear on, but luckily, his scanner tells him that the radiation has been reduced to safe levels around his location. He discovers a strange alien capsule before passing out again. Okita's ship then lands on the surface. 
Shiro Sonata determines the capsule contains engineering schematics for a new warp drive and coordinates to the planet from which it came called Iskandar. The younger Kodai storms the bridge, accusing Okida of using the Yukikaze as a shield so he could run away from the battle. When Okida taunts the younger Kodai, he charges him, but is punched out by crew member Yuki Mori. Hajime Saito and his security detail escort Kodai from the bridge. Dr. Sato apologizes to the captain for letting Kodai escape her sickbay. With a year or a mere months remaining until the extinction of humanity, Okida believes the last hope for humanity lies within Iskandar and their technology, a radiation device that can once again make the surface of the Earth livable. Their last battleship, the long-dead Yamato, is rebuilt and enhanced with alien technology. A request for volunteers for the mission is sent out, and Kodai, a former EDF pilot, re-enlists. Before the Yamato can launch, the Gamelos attack with a gigantic missile. As Daisuke Shima pilots the Yamato and Chief Togugawa monitors the engines, Captain Okida gives the order to Shiro Sanada to fire the untested wave motion cannon. As the crew readies the cannon to 120%, Kodai is ordered to target the incoming missile. Kodai fires, and this successfully destroys the incoming missile. When Kodai is reunited with his old fighter squadron buddies, Team Kodai, Yuki Mori still holds a grudge because Kodai left them behind to be a scavenger on Earth. When an insulted Furuya lunges towards Yuki, she simply punches him out. Upon the Yamato's crew's first successful warp test to Jupiter, they encounter an attack fleet of Ganelos ships and fighters. Sonata advises Kodai that since the wave motion cannon is powered by the same reactor as the warp drive, the Yamato has to wait until the engine recharges before they can warp away again. The Black Tiger Squadron and Yuki launch in their fighters, while the Yamato destroys the Gamelos mothership with their side cannons. Unfortunately, the debris from the explosion damages Yuki's fighter, and she is losing oxygen fast. Kodai refuses to leave Yuki behind, and Kodai launches to rescue Yuki. Yuki then ejects, and Kodai snags her just before the Yamato warps away. Okida has Kodai thrown in the brig upon his return. Having some sake with Chief Tokugawa and Dr. Sato, Kodai learns that Captain Okida also lost his own son at the Battle of Mars. Daisuke Shima, who was Kodai's former squad mate, tells Yuki the reason Kodai left the service. One of the bombs he and Kodai had diverted crashed into Space Station 2 where Kodai's parents and Shima's pregnant wife were stationed. While Shima's wife and child survived, the crash killed Kodai's parents. After coming out of warp, the Yamato discovers a Gamelos fighter adrift in space. Captain Okida wants to recover the fighter for study, but then has a heart attack on the bridge. The Gamelos pilot attacks the examination crew and is shot down by commando team leader Saito. However, the Gamelos' essence possesses Saito and reveals himself to be Desla. The Gamelos are a collective entity, remolding the Earth into their own habitat. Kodai stuns the possessed Saito, and the crystal containing Desla's essence is destroyed. Later, Captain Okida calls Kodai to his quarters and orders him to take over as the acting captain. A homing beacon in the captured Gamelos fighter reveals the position of the Yamato, and waves of Gamelos fighters begin to assault the ship. Kodai fires the Yamato's wave motion cannon to destroy the enemy fleet. However, a stealth Gamelos craft has attached itself on the bottom of the Yamato. With the Gamelos craft about to detonate, 
Kodai has no other option but to order Yuki to take out the third bridge at the bottom of the hull. Kodai blames himself for the death of the men and women on the third bridge, and apologizes to Yuki for ordering her to kill their own crewmates. Kodai embraces Yuki, and they share a kiss before the Yamato goes into warp. The Yamato finally arrives at Iskandar, but is met by a large Gamalas fleet. When a Gamalas projectile hits the Yamato, it is revealed that its design is to obstruct the muzzle of the wave motion cannon. With the enemy fleet ahead of them, Kodai decides to warp the Yamato before they are obliterated. Now on the other side of Iskandar, they see this side is as irradiated as the Earth they left behind. Gamalos and Iskandar are, in fact, the same planet. While the crew remains skeptical, Kodai urges them to go to the coordinates on the planet below and win the fight for their families and the Earth. Kodai leads an attack party in a Cosmo Zero fighter to the planet's surface and into the core of the planetoid. Facing heavy Gamalos opposition, only Kodai and two other Black Tiger fighters are left to escort the trooper carrier to the coordinates. Hundreds of Gamalos warriors attack the Yamato's ATV, and Kodai's droid, Analyzer, gets his own Hulkbuster armor moment to shine as he mows down hundreds of attacking Gamalos to his last chirp. With most of the assault force killed in action, Kodai, Sanada, Saito, and Yuki continue on to the coordinates. Once they reach the coordinates, an alien possesses Yuki's body and explains that the Gamalos and Iskandar are two aspects of the same coin. While Iskandar has accepted that their planet will disintegrate, the Gamalos wants to eliminate all human life and terraform Earth into a suitable environment only for them. Although there is no radiation device, the Iskandarian possessing Yuki says not to fear, as she has the ability to clean the radiation from the Earth. As Yuki and Kodai return to the Yamato, Saito and Sanada sacrifice themselves by destroying the Gamalas' power source. Upon the Yamato's return warp to Earth, Captain Okida finally passes away, alone in his quarters, clutching onto a photo of his son. The crew rejoices once Earth is in sight, but a ginormous surviving Gamalas ship ambushes the Yamato, severely damaging the engines and killing Chief Togugawa. Desla, or his remaining fragment, returns enraged and intends to destroy the Earth with a nuclear blast to avenge his fallen comrades. Kodai orders the surviving crew to abandon ship before he pilots the Yamato on a kamikaze attack against Desla's ship. Kodai fires the blocked wave motion cannon which results in both spaceships being destroyed. The ending shows Yuki standing with a child, possibly Kodai's son, on the Earth's surface, now restored to its original, non-irradiated, green state. And that is the Wham Bam Thank You Ma'am Wikipedia Corrected Synopsis of Space Battleship Yamato. So I, I don't want to assume, but I guess I'll just kind of ask around the table here, like, have you guys all seen this before? Is this anybody's first time seeing this live-action version of Space Battleship Yamato? Yeah, this this was my first time seeing this. Oh, okay, okay. Is, anybody else? This is my third time, because I had seen it back in 2010. I had watched it, I think there was an English dub, and then I watched the straight, you know, one with subtitles. Yeah. And then I actually got 
for my birthday in 2014, I got the Blu-ray and everything, and I watched it again. So actually, uh, it's like the fourth time, I guess, because I rewatched re it today. Yeah, I think I'm probably with you, because I, I know I saw like a fan sub of it, and then I probably watched this tonight, and then I also have the, the Blu-ray release. So I've watched that, and I think I, I think I like this movie so much, I like showed it to my dad, which I don't often do with stuff like this. But so I've probably watched it about as many times as you, Doctor Bill, like probably about four. So, but any anybody else like experience with this live action film, or or is this, you know, I, I'm assuming Justin and Gene have seen this before, but I I'm not for sure. Yeah, this is my third time seeing this. I remember like, you know, kind of keeping an eye on certain sites waiting for a fan sub because I was really excited to see it. I thought the trailer made it look really great, so I was like, man, this is this looks really great sat down and watched it. I was like, man, this was great. Like, this is awesome. And then I watched it another time, maybe a, f a few years later. So this is my third time watching it. Yeah, this this was my fourth time. I, I saw it. I remember seeing it for the first time, like, I want to say two, two and a half years ago, something like that. We watched it. Um, a friend of, friend of mine, let's just say he has access to a lot of movies. And so he brought over the, a DVD that he burnt for it. And we watched it, and it was, you know, the subtitled version. I, I saw it subsequently again, the subtitled version. And then I saw it when we got Funimation, the streaming service for Funimation. They had it the, the dubbed on there. Oh, okay. So I figured, oh, what the heck? Let me, let me look at the dubbed. And then it's the same one I watched again this week to refresh my memory. So I've seen it both ways twice. I'm curious because I actually I, I don't think I've ever watched the dub version and I'm assuming although I could be wrong but I have seen like dub versions of films in theaters like the live action Death Notes where they're actually like I, I don't know I, I don't mean to discourage like old school live action dubs by any means because I enjoy them in some degree to their own right but like I, I remember watching that Death Note dub and being impressed with how far you know it was it was like the anime cast of death note dubbed the live action films so i just felt like it it was a lot better than i was expecting it to be but i'm, <laughs> I'm kind of curious since i know dr phil and gene you both said you watched the dubs like what did i mean did you have any particular opinions one way or the other on on that version of it i thought that they did a really good job it wasn't it wasn't any of the anime cast, whether from the original Star Blazers or from, you know, what is currently going on, 2199. But they got very, very close. I mean, the, even with the trying to match the mouth movements and, like, size and stuff, they, they were spot on. So just, like, if you know certain words, like when Kodai's doing the countdown, you can you can tell he's not saying the English numbers, he's saying the Japanese numbers, but it's still, it's hard to to catch them. It's not like an old Godzilla movie, right, you know, where right. they're, the, they stop talking, but the dub goes on. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think that was always my impression of, of dubs, because I grew up watching those Godzilla dubs, so like when I would see these kind of modern dubs with, with the, you know, more enhanced technology that they have, where, you know, they can, I mean, it's still probably hard for the actors to match either lip flaps or, or 
you know, even live action ADR type stuff. But like nowadays, you can go in a booth and they can like give you little red beeps and kind of, you know, show you what, what it's going to look like. And so I, I imagine just with the technology and everything in place, it's probably a lot easier to to make those not look like kind of those, you know, the, the sort of comical, atypical stereotypes of what, what you perceive a, a like a Hong Kong action film dub to, to look like. Yeah, I think they spent a lot of time writing it, you know, writing the dialogue out to make sure it matched. So it wasn't just okay. They're saying this. Go for it. <laughs> was that was that your experience as well, Doctor Bill, or did you have anything to add about like your experience with the? Well, it's dub? been a while since I've seen the dub. Uh, that was at least two two or more years ago. But I don't remember anything that. I mean, it moved along pretty smooth. There was nothing that really that went watching it that it was like ah that didn't really well right. right. No, it was good. It was good. And then I guess, I, I mean, I don't know, I just kind of wrote down some notes that I had about the movie and everything, but I guess we can, I mean, I, I don't know, we've kind of sort of briefly touched on this, but I, I would just venture forth to say, like, I think this is a fantastic movie. Like, I, I really, really, really like it. So I was kind of excited to talk about it. And, and I don't know if you guys remember or not, but there were these memes or whatever you want to call them, chain chain mails going around on Facebook where it was, you know, pick pick a movie for every year that you've been alive and, and make mm -hmm. sure it's your favorite movie. And so I saw that flashed around on a bunch of different, you know, sites and everything. And that was something I thought was fun, so I played along. And for 2010, I picked this movie because I, I, I feel like I always, you know, I, I think the special effects were really good. I liked all the cast. I thought it was... It, I, I think something we talk about probably all, I think all of us collectively here on this show is comic book fans that enjoy watching comic book adaptations. Like some of our terminology we use sometimes is when, when certain projects have, say, costume shame or they're ashamed of the source material they are sourcing from. And, and I, I think for the most part, I mean, I, I, I might have a little, you know, criticism here and there, but I think for the most part, this has virtually like you know it's, it's maybe like 95 percent you know shame free so i mean to me that's like always super impressive as far as a film goes along those lines like i was like really happy to hear like a version of the like the yamato or the star well i guess it's the yamato like theme like music like all the time and I think that's something that they always underestimate about, like, making a live-action adaptation of things. Because it's like like Spider-Man home, Homecoming, when that led off with, like, a version of, like, the classic, like, 60s Spider-Man theme. Like, I got chills, and I was like, I feel like that's something that people, like, filmmakers always underestimate. That the music is going to, like, you know, get people excited and pumped, too. So I was really happy to hear, like, that theme in there, too. Mike, do you do you think Dragon Ball Evolution could have been better with Rock the Dragon? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know that that iconic speech that somebody gives to somebody, and oh, there were no iconic speeches. But, yeah. But in in Yamato, there were plenty of iconic speeches, and then it was cool to hear that theme like blazing underneath it because it really. I mean, I think the acting was was well done, but you also had a you know like that that swelling of the the theme music and everything and and i i think a lot of the music in this whether it was specifically from the original 
like anime or films or whatever like I, I think it just hit all the right strings with me because I, I think that was a large part of getting you to I guess go through the emotional journey and paces that the the film puts you through and everything but I, I guess I'm kind of curious what everybody else's like you know specific thoughts like like do you love this movie do you do you have criticisms of the movie like I guess Justin like what did you you know I know you've already kind of said like you thought it was great but is there anything you want to add on top of that to to what we've been discussing I don't know what else I could add in detail on top of that like I I really enjoyed it the thing I was kind of thinking about in the back of my head when I was rewatching this is I was trying to remember when I first watched Star Blazers and I I think it's kind of like Robotech like I kind of remember watching like Robotech and Star Blazers in reruns sometime in the mid 80s when I was a kid but I don't really remember either either of them that well and it wasn't until maybe I was like a teenager when like anime was huge that I kind of was like oh yeah like Star Blazers I kind of remember that and you know you'd get like some less than reputable like vhs tape at like a comic convention or something you'd sit down and watch it like that's kind of how i like revisited star blazers like i said i was really excited for this movie and i loved it i think what i love almost as much as this movie is the remake anime the 2199 anime series like i think that i think that's a really great it's not just a really great anime series but it's just a really good science fiction series like i really love that series and i think i think that series and this film do a very good job of you know paying respect to the original source material what about you dr bill like what, what are your kind of ultimate thoughts on the film and, and do you have any maybe criticisms at all of the film well it was it was good to hear the music as always because actually gene and i what kicked off our mm. us doing anime freaks which eventually we'll get back to uh, we've been on a hiatus for a while uh, a long while but the first thing we did on an assistant e editor's month on the two true freaks net network was we took over star wars monthly monday and we did an entire show devoted to the soundtrack of basically the first series so we analyzed each track and and there was a few of them in in this one and, and there was other spots that i was like ah they really should have put that track in here but it wasn't there. Not um, enough Gamelon music. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know that, you know, the, ah, yeah, Mr. Deslock, Deslock, Deslock. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. one of the things that I had a hard time w while watching, it, because having grown up with Star Blazers and, and I actually own a, a bunch of, I actually have reputable video tapes because I remember hunting them down and buying them for the first series and then buying the big pack. So I've got all three series on videotape is that the names are so ingrained in my head as the Star Blazers names. And then, you know, Kodai, I'm like, oh, yeah, OK, that's Wildstar. OK, and, and who's this? OK, that's, that's all right. And then and that's Nova. And that's OK. I had to keep, you know. You've seen enough times you you get over it, and this time it wasn't as big of a thing. But I know the first time I watched it because I'd never seen the regular Star Blazers in in Japanese. So, but you know that's just a cultural thing, getting used to that. There was a couple points in this movie that I thought, and maybe on the fourth viewing, and you're waiting for it to get to the action. You're like, okay, let's get through this. All right, come on. 
pick it up just a little bit. <laughs> well, it's funny because that's that's kind of like I, I think on this viewing because I was trying to cram it in before we all got on. Exactly, here. I did too. Like, I'm like, okay, like, I got it. Was up. one of those things where like like you 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 did have those moments where it's like you you sort of have to be in that zone to like appreciate and and just take your time with the film and everything because because i noticed like the the closer towards i was really really enjoying it and getting into it and I, on all the right moments i had the super feels with the music and and all that kind of stuff but then i think when when i was like oh crap it's getting closer to the time where i gotta i gotta get on you know then then all of a sudden it, it turned from my sense of urgency like elevated and i was like all right all right get on with this say goodbye to him blow up the damn ship like let's go like we, we gotta finish this you know and that's probably not how i should feel because obviously if you're if you're if you're devoted to it and watching it without a sense of urgency and just enjoying it i think i think those those moments are probably much more forgivable and that only shows up after you know repeated viewings i i would guess right yeah. oh i know the first time i watched it i you know the first or second time i was totally engrossed you know, so it's only on, you know, multiple viewings as I was kind of like, okay, all right, you know, let's get to the Steve Tyler music montage at the end already, will you? Right, right. <laughs> so I, I don't, I just want to make sure I didn't leave Gene out. Like, was there anything you wanted to add or, or go into about your kind of ultimate uh, overview or thoughts of, of this film? Uh, I'm a little worried about doing that because <laughs> I'm afraid I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn into to Paul here. But Doctor No, oh, the one thing I noticed watching it this time is like because you're you're condensing twenty some episodes. Oh yeah, yeah. yes, it, it does in, move in, really quick. You just it's like uh, yeah. Iskandar is around the corner, <laughs> so it's you know the whole thing is drawn. Whoa, we have to get there and back in a year and, and in an hour. Oh, here we are. Because yeah, oh, it was, was 20, 26 half hour episodes, if I remember correctly. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you know we had no battle at the Rainbow Galaxy. We didn't have, mm. you know. Well, you didn't have anything from the Gamelon point of view perspective, you, right? Yeah, yeah, they because, and I liked what they did there. They actually made them completely alien. Mm -hmm. They're not just blue skinned humans. Smurfs after, after the tenth episode. They, they made him a complete alien life form, gave them the reason for attacking Earth the way they did, and it it worked. It But it just... The movie on the fourth viewing seemed <laughs> like the end of Revenge of the Sith. It seemed like a checklist. Okay, we gotta have Kodai mad at Okita. Check. We have to have Yuki mad at Kodai in the beginning. Check. We have to have her fall in love with him in the middle. Check. We have to have him have her sad at the end. Check. Wave motion gun firing. Check. Drill missile. Check. You know, all all these things that they... And I know exactly why they did it, because that's what everyone remembers from the anime. But just watching it this time, it's like, oh, okay, this was, this was put together by someone who said you have to hit every single one of these beats i, I think that's true of I, I just just to be a counterpoint i think yeah. that's true of a lot of film scripts period i mean they're all they're all sort of mathematically crafted mm -hmm. and there's there's a certain 
you know, style you have to hit, you know, it's like, oh, if you don't introduce someone to the main character within the first four minutes, you know, you have failed as a screenwriter, because that's, that's the mark you're supposed to hit. If you don't, you know, hit the climax by, you know, you know, minute 60, you know, or whatever it is, then, you know, you're not, you're not following the, the strategic formula that's laid out when you're, when you're writing this, this screenplay and everything. So, so there is that, and then on top of mm -hmm. that, like you're saying, it must be you know, it's like one of those struggles because, you know, some people like me, I'd say, oh, well, I, you know, I, I'm going to get lambasted or whatever. But I'm like, I, I liked the Mark Steven Johnson Daredevil movie with Ben Affleck. And a bunch of my friends are like, oh, that's terrible or whatever. But like, I, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like sitting there going, well, I respect that they somehow managed to cram in that, you know, what you're mm -hmm. saying. Like, like they, they. They, they had the framework of a screenplay, they fit the format of that, and then on top of that, they layered on, you know, as much of the fan, and that, that's kind of what I see in this, you know, as, as much of the, the, the good beats that people remember from the anime onto, you know, the, the film. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I, I can appreciate it for that. I, I find it interesting, like, you seem to be very appreciative of the the way they the direction they went with the the gamelons and like yeah and like i i kind of i i think that was probably like to me when i said 95 percent like, uh -huh. like non-shame like that's the five percent in my head where i was like oh like they kind of tried to michael bay the the gamelons up a little <laughs> bit you know like they kind of tried well, to that's what did look a little like megatron you yeah. know like like they tried to they tried to make them kind of like cgi blarp aliens or whatever and mm -hmm. I, I was just kind of like i get it like and i think i think the reason why i'm a little easy on it is one like like you said it, it's not really told from their point of view and then even at the end when when he gets all pissy he's like well we don't get planet earth well fuck you i'm gonna blow it up it's like he kind of <laughs> had a human looking you know, desk-locky, you know, kind of... Oh, he had his hair face, and everything. Know? Yeah, yeah. So, they, yeah. So, so I was like, okay, well, fair enough. Like, now now he kind of looks like what I remember, so I'm going to give you a pass on on the little kind of, like, you know, Blarp alien or whatever he was in the in the in when they first kind of picked up the, the random, you know, drifting shuttle mm -hmm. and what have you. But, like, I, I do kind of think that there was that aspect to it. And, and I guess, you know, something else I noticed, and, and maybe this is just me being a fan of a lot of different sci-fi properties, but, and, and I think it's kind of cyclical, because you could probably say that, I guess my, my thing is that I think the remake on TV of Battlestar Galactica probably influenced this in some way, or, or I, I kind of see parallels between those two shows and the way they handle their fighters and the way they handle, you know, spacesuits and then especially in the way they handle Yuki's character. Like because mm. I, I feel like she was she was Starbucked, you know, and not in like in a bad way, mm. but like, you know, it's like the the way they really tried to give Katie Sack off like this so, sort of like, oh look, you know, it's like, you know, she she's you know, she could fight better than the guys and she can she's the best pilot they have and like all this other stuff. And, and, and she was the female Starbucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it was Dirk Benedict, just female. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and so so I I, I, I kind of think like I could see that, you know, I could see Katie Sackhoff's interpretation of Starbuck having an influence on this version of Yuki where she's, you know, punching out people left and right and, and she's you know she she has certain feminine aspects when they introduce the romance between her and Kodai, but 
there, there's a lot of it where, it, and, and I mean it in a good way, as much as I can mean it in, in a good way, like, I, I think she, you know, totally came off as, like, this confident, you know, capable person, and there was just this kind of misunderstanding between her and Kodai, which, you know, made her a little more antagonistic than she needed to be at the beginning, so they had a character arc and had those check boxes, you know, that you're talking about that they needed to fill right. off, you know, but, but in terms of, you know, the way she was portrayed and even in some ways like i think i think uh okida you know th th it's that notion where i think of parallels because i'm like oh yeah you know adama's kind of like you know bullshitting everybody going we're going to earth and it's like do you know where <laughs> earth is fuck no is there an earth i don't know you know when are we gonna get there real soon real soon <laughs> yeah 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 it's like and it kind of feels like the same thing with this where he's like <clears throat> Kodai, uh, I got something to tell you. You're dying? No, no, no. I, I figure you know that already. What I need to tell you is that thing about the radiation device, total BS. You know, I totally made the that up. on Iskandar Day. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, I kind of I kind of felt like I was seeing certain parallels between Okita and, and Edward James Olmos's portrayal of Adama and things like that. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if anybody else noticed that or, or saw different parallels between other sci-fi properties or anything like that i'm just kind of well now that, that you mentioned it I, I i i didn't really notice that but I, but now thinking about how they do the warps that was kind of like the way they would do some of the warps actually one of the scenes that was in galactica like when they jumped into the atmosphere right and they launched they, all the ships and then warped back out again before they slammed into the ground which is the same thing they did here they came down with yeah Yamato and that was a great all, all the satellites and warps. It was yeah it was, yeah yeah it was great yeah. But uh, I think a part of my criticism for this comes from the fact that I have seen twenty one ninety nine the whole way through twice, and now I'm watching it again with my family. I haven't and, watched that yet. Uh, you should. I mean it. It's the the probably the. The highest praise I can say for it is they did everything right and corrected the errors from the original. What blasphemy? What errors? Uh, what no. are you talking about? <laughs> Go back and listen to Anime Freaks episode <laughs> one through. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Greetings, podcast listener. Do you like? Gotcha, or maybe? Dragon Slay! How about? Tatsuwa! Or, in the year 1999, an abandoned alien battle fortress crash-landed on the planet Earth. Our most brilliant scientist and engineer spent the next 10 years reconstructing the damaged ship and studying its highly advanced space technology called Robotech. Do you remember... Our Star Blazers! Or this... The year is after Colony 195. As the world constantly changes in the chaotic era, there are two mobile suits that could turn humans into the ultimate weapon. The Wing Zero and the Epion. Or maybe even this. After the desire for blood pools all, the only hope left is the one they call D. Or this. Gene, grappler ships dead ahead! It wouldn't be fun otherwise. Let's do it! Or... If Cardus is allowed to be reborn, she'll destroy Marmo as well as Lodos. Or have you seen the latest episode of... And just like that, everything changed. Everything. 
At that terrible moment, in our hearts, we knew home was a pen. Humanity, cattle. If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you should check out Anime Freaks, hosted by Dr. Bill Robinson and me, Gene Hendricks. Anime Freaks is a monthly podcast covering all things anime. It is available at twotruefreaks.com and on iTunes under Two True Freaks Presents Anime Freaks. <laughs> it's like it's like Vegeta Vegeta doesn't have brown hair anymore in Yamato 2099. Well, it, uh, it, uh, well it's it's stuff like Yuki isn't the only woman on the ship. <laughs> there there are at least four Four of the main characters are women. No, no, make that five. Forgot about, forgot about the, the one that does the radio show. They all have their own arcs. They all have their own personalities. One of them is a fighter pilot. It is not Yuki. It's actually Yamamoto. They made into a woman fighter pilot. So wait a minute, just just to click clarify. So is there new stuff added in 2199? It's not just a straight... Like yes. It's, oh, see, I didn't know that. I thought it was just a straight... On the art redoing, so they've tweaked no, other things. No, oh, they, they well, now you really piqued my interest. In fact, a lot of the stuff on the Gamelon side is some of the best stuff. Mm. They, they, Deslock is still Deslock, or Deslock. Deslock, Deslock, Deslock. But now he's not the beloved leader of everybody. Does he still have a high voice? No. Oh, well, that's no fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Starforce, get rid of me! I actually wanted to ask, like, about that stuff because, like, I'm not—I'm probably the least familiar with this property of everyone here. And I'd like—I had—I watched like Yamato twenty-one ninety-nine, but I'd—I'd I'd only seen like scattered episodes of Star Blazers, like when I was a kid. So I went into that with like the vaguest like childhood memories. But like, once I like looked into it, and then once I saw this movie, like just recently, I was kind of like. Wait, so did they, it's like, did they take Yuki's, like, fighter pilot persona from this movie and then, like, change it into the, that character from 2199, like, the female fighter yeah. pilot? Like, it seems like they almost, like, split Yuki into, like, they took her portrayal in this movie and split her into two characters for that, like, new anime. And they kind of, I feel like they kind of did the same with the Doctor and that woman with the glasses from the anime, like, I was like, oh, wait, that's kind of familiar. I was like, because I, I was like trying to research this because I wasn't sure. And I was kind of like, wait, Dr. Sato was a man, yeah. like in the original. Yep. Yeah. So mm -hmm. then uh, but she's like that girl with the glasses. And then there's uh, that. Not real. I mean, in 2199, the one with the glasses, the one, the blue uniform. Yeah. That, As far as I can tell, she's a completely original character. Yeah, that's like I figured that, but I was kind of like, did they get like, did they sort of get the visual reference like from I, I her? Can, like, I can almost, I like... can sort of see what you're saying because I haven't seen 2099, but I've seen. I, I was looking up like you know, character models and things like that, so I, I kind of know the character you're talking about, and I almost kind of had that thought myself where I was like, oh, I wonder if they took some inspiration. Like, like basically, oh well, if we if we don't have the female doctor in this version, like, can we can we transplant some of what was cool about that character in the movie to another character? Because isn't 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 Yamamoto like in this? He was and in the the anime before that, 
Like he's just another black tiger. Just pilot, another, right? Correct. And yeah. and and so, but but it's almost like they took him, and and I guess what Mike's saying is they kind of took the Yuki fighter pilot aspect and and transposed it onto Yamamoto instead of just you know kind of bumping up Yuki's pilot skills, I guess, for lack of a better better term. Right. Yeah. They they more or less took the Yuki character from the movie and made her into Yamamoto in the new anime and then put Yuki, the regular Yuki back to where she was as the, the radar operator. Slash nurse. So, no, actually there's a nurse. Oh. And, that, and I think, Oh yeah, yeah. The, I the think girl that, in the pink outfit, right? Yeah. Right. I think that's the one they got from the Dr. Sato in the movie mm. because she's a little on the scatterbrain side and everything, whereas the, the other one's an intelligence officer. And gotcha. she's, you know, very locked down. Well, because so, Yuki's character in the original or in the American was Nova, and mm -hmm. she was the radar operator, but she was also a nurse, and she was the only woman on the ship. I think we saw one woman one other time. In, yeah, uh, in line to the communications in, room. In line to the communications room. And, of course, Nova was the... <laughs> in Star Blazer, she was the only one that wore a gun all the time. <laughs> Probably because she had to fend off the rest of the crew. Back. <laughs> so, so was that other woman you saw like very briefly, uh, Mon Mothma? <laughs> <laughs> right. Many Gamelon spies died to bring us these <laughs> So, Justin, you you have Doctor Sato on your avatar. Like, is there is there something you want to go into? Like, was this was that change something that you appreciated? Was it for the better? Like, is it something that's your your favorite part of the movie or anything you have anything to kind of go into or i think mike kind of nailed it you know when when we were talking before we started you know recording for this you know he was like we each kind of like assumed avatars of like our you know character archetypes we usually go with you know like mike goes with like the kind of button down guy he'll sacrifice himself for the others you know you derek you've got like the rodimus you know like luke skywalker and i've got like kind of the like wacky cat lady who likes to drink a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best like... cat actor I've ever seen. <laughs> I just want to say that cat was awesome. Yeah. No, I know what I loved, like, speaking of that, like, when they were, like, saluting Kodai at the end and the cat's just playing with her fists yeah. like, when she does the salute. Like, I was like, oh, look at that cat. It has no idea what's happening. <laughs> it's like, it's well, like a cat. Was, was the cat counted in the 12 that were on the ship? Fucking lack of watch. It's like, it's like well, show a little respect, cat. Like, he's sacrificing his life for us. Throw your paw up there, man. What's wrong with you? Is that like, is well, like Jonesy's cousin from, from Alien or whatever made his way onto the <laughs> Yamato? Well, um, in, in, in Justin's picture, now Gene will get the joke. If you guys had... You may not remember from the original American version of this that that bottle she's drinking. Gene, what what's in that bottle? <laughs> spring water, of course. <laughs> spring water. Yes, Doctor Sane in the original one always busted out his bottle of spring water, and they would all sit around and they would just be all happy faced just from drinking water. Uh, yeah, that, that's like Master Roshi drinking like you know blue beer or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Brief stocked Goku's refrigerator with sports drinks. Yeah. 
as for the doctor, like, I just thought she was kind of an interesting character. Like, you know, you were asking earlier, like, if I had any, you know, criticisms or anything. I guess the only slightly negative thing would be I kind of wish we had more time with Dr. Sato and Chief Tokugawa, because, especially the Chief, because he only had, like, what, three or four scenes? Because, like, he's telling Kodai, like, oh, you and Okita were a lot alike when you were young, and then he's like, Oh, Captain, it'll take 20 minutes to recharge the wave motion gun. And then he's got that scene at the end where he's like, you know, in in the engine room and, you know, everything's exploded and he kind of dies. I was like, oh, like, I, I kind of wish we got to spend more time with him. Yeah, I mean, you think in a movie that's like two hours and like 20 minutes long, we could have got like an extra minute or two with him and the doctor. But I don't know. I, just, I, I guess I was just kind of drawn to those two characters. Like I thought I thought they were very interesting. And especially with with the doctor, like I kind of, I maybe I was kind of looking for stuff that wasn't there in the movie because she was always by Okita's side and stuff. I, and I remember the first time I was watching this, I was like, are they going to try and say that they're like romantic or something? But they, they never quite went there. And I was like, well, did they not go there because they're Japanese and they're always awkward about that? And then I was like, well, heck no, because like Yuki and what's his name were like making out and stuff. So they clearly got over that kind of you know, the Japanese pent-up feelings and, you know, mm. confessions of love stuff. But, but yeah, I, I was just kind of drawn to to those two characters most of all, I guess. Well, I mean, I guess if I don't can't say for 21, for the the new one, Gene, that, that you've seen, but I think if we extrapolate the amount of scenes that were in the first season of Star Blazers and how much of the Chief and the Doctor were in it and kind of change, you know, condense it into the two-hour movie, do you think it would be about the same? Because there's not... I mean, maybe there's more of the doctor scenes because uh, I don't know. He was—he's always hanging out with uh, with the captain in the series. But again, it's because the captain was sick. Yeah, um, I, it, I think it works out percentage-wise about the same. Yeah, because Doctor Sane was, or as I like to call him, Doctor Insane. But anyway, <laughs> he he would come in for a one-liner or to yell at the captain or something. <laughs> yes. But... That's, yeah. That's and right. then Orion. Tokugawa. Orion. I, I was. I, that's right. I could not remember. I, and I hey. didn't want to look, look it up. I'm just like, like, what was the chief's name? And I can't <laughs> believe I couldn't remember. It was Orion. I know. And he my had the accent. That's right. Because he had the accent. He had the yes. the Irish accent. Yeah. But yeah, he he was support. I mean, he he didn't even get the char- characterization that Scotty did on the original series. Yeah. He, he was just he was there to answer technical questions or to. To say, oh, well, we can't do anything with the wave motion engine until we get the Titanite to fix it. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> That's right. And where do they only get the Titanite? On Titan. Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, I would, I would say story, you know, percentage of story-wise, they were very, very minor characters, which is why you didn't see a lot of them. And, in fact, I want to say their characterizations really weren't changed that much from the no. anime to the live action. They were just straight up interpretations they just made dr sane female but they didn't change any mannerisms or anything mm. yeah like he, he he was pretty much my favorite character from like 2199 and like you know you guys know my favorite like character archetype is like the second in command like 
you know, straight-laced guy who, like, is a, who might, like, depend on, like, logic or whatever. Like, he, I thought he was kind of the Spock or the Prowl of the group. So, like, I always thought he was pretty cool. And, yeah, like, he kind of, he goes out like a champ in this movie. And, you know, I thought, uh, like, I, I think that, like, last smile he had <laughs> was pretty awesome. And, yeah, I mean, it's, there's not much to it. It's just, like, he's the, he fits the character archetype I'm always drawn to. So... You know, the same thing like in the anime. So, yeah. Yeah, even though I've seen this movie four times, like we discussed, like every time I see that scene with with him and and um, Saito when they when they go out like that, it still it still hits me pretty hard every time I see it. You know, like that's that's a really good scene. And I guess maybe going into that, like I like it's weird. I remember like coming home from school and it was always this weird thing where like Star Blazers and Robotech would somehow air at like 2.30 and you'd get home from school at like 3 or 3.30 or something like that so like I never really remember like it's weird somebody who lives in the Bay Area might this might trigger like memories for them but I remember it was like TV 36 would show those and it's like every once in a while I get lucky and see like the end credits of Robotech or the end credits of Star Blazers. <laughs> and I'd be like, this is badass. This is awesome. You know, and maybe I'd see a few minutes of it or something like that. You know, and I, I thought it was cool and everything. But like, I, you know, my, my, my input in that, you know, was, it was rare. So it was like, I didn't, I didn't get to see the, the full picture until a lot later in life. And then I, I kind of went through what I'll call my, my nihilistic early 20s. And, and that was like me, you know, watching, you know, Spike Spiegel at the end of Cowboy Bebop, like over and over again with a bottle of wine. And like this piece, like, I, I don't think I ever, because I always kind of understood it as like Star Blazers. And I never really knew about uh, For we Farewell Yamato. And when I discovered oh, oh. that, like, it was like, I, I know Dr. Bill said he never saw the Japanese version, but I think what I did was I watched the first season of Space Battleship Yamato, and when I got to the end, I'm like, oh, there's these movies, like, oh, well, okay, I'll watch the next movie. And I had no idea what the, I thought, like, it was going to be a movie, and then I'd watch, like, season two and three and four and five, and when I watched that movie, I mean, it was, it was, not only did it like blow me away because I didn't see it coming because I don't know I was dumb or something I didn't look at the title but like I, I I was in that mode where it was like one of those things where I was like this is the greatest ending I've ever seen and it's like because at the time I was in my nihilistic 20s and it was like oh everything was like death and depressing and 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 and, and that kind of stuff and and it was just seeing that you know that that kind of you know kamikaze you know Kodai moment where he's seeing the ghosts of everybody who's already dead and all that kind of stuff and like that's always touched me so I think the fact that that was incorporated into this live action movie somehow legitimized it for me more than if it was like you know that that the season two happy ending versions of these characters if that makes any sense because that's always I guess just because of where I was at the point where I saw it 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 sort of always made more logical sense to me. Also, if if they were knew that they were just making this as a one shot movie, that's the way you're gonna go. They're they're gonna wanna just say, okay, here we're hitting all all the points, and we're gonna give everyone a great death scene. 
and that's that you know uh, it's it, it's a good way to wrap it up if you never want to make a sequel yeah Samuel mm-hmm. L isn't going to be showing up at the end of these movies being like I'm making a new spaceship crew motherfuckers like <laughs> It's like, Kodai, like, you've been asleep! It's like, no. It's... You've been asleep for 50 years, motherfucker! <laughs> Dude, you know what You know what else I, I read about that I didn't know, and, and now that I'm looking at it, like, if you look at the Wikipedia page for all the production companies that were involved in this movie, it's kind of like, and, and this, this may uh, fall on deaf ears for... for Gene and Dr. Bill, since they haven't heard the episode because it hasn't come out yet, but we, we talk about Akira on, on Big in Japan, and there's notations of like how many studios worked on it to basically pool all their money together. So like it was basically at one point, you know, the most highest budgeted film, you know, that, that was being worked on at the time. And what I noticed with this is it's very similar because there's so many production companies that were funneling their money into it and then the the basically the lead actor you know Kodai his name's Takuya Kimura and like he basically he pooled his salary like basically he he didn't take a salary so that the money could go into the film like so I was just like oh like he cared about it that much like he's like I want this stuff to look good you know and it's like I don't know it's like one of those things where it's like I kind of feel like that kind of attention to the final product like I don't know sometimes I feel like that's kind of a loss that art too in its own way where you know sometimes it's just about you know getting something out on time and whatever comes out comes out and and that kind of thing but I I just kind of thought that there there was something about this where he's like this this movie's gonna be exceptional and we're gonna make it exceptional and if that means I'm not going to take my salary. You know, I, you know, who knows? Maybe it's just a PR story and it's not even real. But I, I was just kind of like, oh, this is, you know, I don't know. For, for some reason, that kind of hit me where I was like, oh, that's, that's pretty awesome that he did that and that he cared so much about the, the final product of the film. And I think, I think it shows, I think, in terms of, you know, the money they put into it. Because you can tell, like, this is not, you know, I... I don't know. I guess you know to put it in terms that I know some of us will understand. I mean, this is not G Savior, you know. Like this is not just some you know crappy CGI effects that nobody really cares about. I mean, all the space battles look really epic and cool, and 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 I, I think it's all you know worthwhile. You know, even even as critical as I was about the 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 Gamelos, you know, that that I thought they looked a little Michael Bayish, like. That doesn't mean they look bad. It just means I, I I didn't like the direction. Maybe they went in with some of the character design, but that doesn't mean that the money that was put into them, you know, wasn't well spent or anything like that. That the the actor you mentioned, uh, Takuya Kimoria, he plays Manji in the Blade of Immortal live action movie. Oh, yeah, 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 that's that's which, about to come out pretty soon on Blu-ray, I think. That like that's another like really 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 good movie. Like he. It, you know, he he plays the lead character in that, and he does a really good job of playing a, you know, a much like tormented and cursed warrior who like just wants to be alone. You know, he wants to die, and he's all grumpy and stuff because he keeps getting involved in people's like, you know, struggles or whatever. But like that's that's a really good movie too. 
it's funny speaking of my my nihilistic 20s one film director i really got into during then was uh war kai wong i don't know if you guys are familiar with him at all but he, he made like a trilogy of movies and one of them is it's kind of like well i don't know i, I don't want to say it's a science fiction movie it, it's about as much of a science fiction movie as hellraiser 4 is but it's got the auspices of a science fiction movie and it's called 2046 and probably the most famous actress in it is um Ji Zhang, like from Crouching Tiger, but there's there's a lot of famous Chinese actors in it because it's it's a War Kai Wong movie. But I guess in the what's the right phrase for it? In, in sort of like the the prologue and the epilogue of that film, there's a sort of like a, a framework of the story where it's it, it's framed with a, a Japanese like traveler who's traveling in the future of 2046 and that the actor who plays him is you know the same guy who played Kodai you know Takuya Kimura or whatever so he's also in that movie too and of course that's about like doomed kind of romances and stuff like that and so I, I was just thinking to myself well yeah that's totally totally like they're both my nihilistic 20s type characters or whatever <laughs> you know the same same kind of deal or whatever so yeah lots of cool stuff like that I think in this I was trying to like I don't know I'm always bad at like looking at some of the actors and seeing if they were in other other things that I knew because it's not like I guess I'm always saying like it's not like the IMDB has a good database for anything that's sort of not English and or you know American or whatever so sometimes I look at actors and go did I see him on Common Rider or whatever like I'm always like wondering about stuff like that well there was one actor, the guy who played Nambu, Toshiro Yashiba. He played the father Igasaki on Samurai Sentai Nin Ninja. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. See, it's like stuff like that. Like, you, it's like you've got some somebody's like face, like in the back of your head, like where you're like, I, I know, I know that guy or whatever. But like, sometimes you're not sure where from. So, and then you know what else I found interesting was, and and I this is still on my list, but I I haven't seen it yet. Is there's a live action loop on the third film that came out in 2014, and the actress that played Yuki is Fujiko in that. So, oh yeah, hmm. and so I didn't I didn't realize that, but I was just I was looking her up, and I was kind of like, oh, like what else has she been in? And and I was kind of wondering too, because I'm like, oh, she doesn't. Yeah, you know, this is this is just me kind of going, oh, she looks. She looks exotic. She doesn't quite look totally Japanese. And so so I looked it up, and I guess her father is part Panamanian. So I guess he comes from Panama. So that's 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 what it says on her, her bio or whatever. So I was like, ah, oh, that's what it is. Like So I was kind of like noticing like just, you know, different facial features and stuff like that. And I was kind of like wondering if, if they cast her specifically because of that, maybe. Because, you know, maybe, you know, Yuki having, like, you know, blonde hair in the anime, you know, made her, set her apart from some of the other characters. So maybe that was, that was another reason why they cast her. But, you know, anyway, just thinking about stuff like that when I was, when I was watching it. But yeah, like, I, I, I was super impressed with this movie. This was my first time watching it. And I, like, I kind of was like, like, I, I knew it had come out, like, some time ago, but I was like, this must have come out in what, like, 2014, 2015, like, and I was like, oh, 2010? Like, wow, that was, yeah, like, the, what do you call the the CGI was pretty, like, convincing, I guess. Yeah, I think, I, like I was saying, I think it's money well spent, you know? Yeah. Well, they did a lot with practical stuff. I mean, 
There, there was no CGI extension of sets or any of that. It was either entirely on a built set. Even the vehicles were like they were riding on an actual vehicle mm-hmm. going, you know, when they were on Gamelon. So it that helped a lot. And most of what they were shown was on the ship. You didn't, you didn't really see him look out from the bridge. You always looked into the bridge. Into the bridge, yeah. So I think they, they saved their CGI budget for just exactly what they needed it for. And the the launching of the Yamato is just amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's... It, that matches very, very well with the original, which is, you know, you have to. There are just so many people out there that that is their vision of what happened with the ship, that you have to get that right. Yeah, and I, I think that's a an example of the ninety five percent of no shame, you know, like that, that's, right. that's almost like perfect, you know. Yeah, because I was thinking about the number of like actual sets, and they had the bridge, they had the hangar deck, uh, a few other scenes here and there. There was nothing, and uh, up until the end, and right at the beginning, there was no big exterior shots to film. Mm-hmm. You know, there was the one with Yuki in the field with her son, and. Kodai at the beginning on the Earth, which is that still the same in twenty one ninety nine that he's actually on? Uh, ooh, uh, well, really on Mars, Venus? Uh, no, uh, in twenty one ninety nine that Kodai and Shima are on. They start off on Mars. Mars, okay. But, but they are not there just because. Oh, that's where they're assigned. They're there for a specific mission. Oh, okay. And it has to do with. The message from Iskandar, mm. and it's—I'm—I'm I'm not going to go any further than that because okay. just watch it. It's available in the U.S. both subtitled and dubbed legally. You can get it. Go for it. Tickets yeah. on Amazon. I might like the whole series was like thirty bucks. Yeah, yeah. You, can, oh, you can watch the sub on uh, Crunchyroll too. Yeah, oh, subs, the okay. sub is on Crunchyroll. The dub is on Funimation, and they're. Every Wednesday, they come out with a new episode. And that's mm. that's appointment television for our family, because both Michelle and Kira love watching it. And to to get them to into a, a new sci-fi show, that's that's something, you know, that's a feed in itself. Yeah. Did you ever get around to watching Arpeggio Blue Steel? I don't remember if you did or not. Yeah. Actually, I watched it twice. <laughs> I watched it once <laughs> after you told me about it, and then after we... I want to say... This past summer, I just said, yeah, I got a little bit of time. Let me watch it again because I started sure, reading. I'll watch something about ships and well, cute human avatars for ships. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say too much? <laughs> well, I also, because I started reading the manga, which is up until like episode six is right on. And then mm-hmm. it completely diverges because the, uh-huh. the manga is still going. Well, do they introduce the like the American fleet and stuff? Yes, know, we're, and, oh. and, and uh, European fleet. I think you did t- tell me about that. Sorry, forgive us, we're having a you know old school reunion here. This is what happens when Bill and I get together and talk about anime. <laughs> cool, but I guess just for the purposes of this show, we can we can wrap things up. I guess we do we. I guess I don't, I don't know. Like I, I feel like I kind of spent everything that I had to say about the film. Like I really 
really enjoyed it. Like I said, it, it was one of my favorite films of 2010 when it came out, and I, I do like that I have it on Blu-ray and I can watch it any old time. And I, I like I said, I was excited to come and talk about this not only with my fellow fan holes, but with Dr. Bill and Gene because because I knew they're super into stuff like this. So this this was a lot of fun for me. And I guess I'll just pass it off to everybody else if you guys have any final thoughts on the film and and. And then I guess, uh, you know, once Justin and Mike say their piece, um, and, and, uh, Dr. Bill and Gene say their piece, like maybe you guys can tell us, you know, where people can find you on the interwebs if they're so inclined to continue to listen to the dulcet tones. I'll, I'll just repeat what I said earlier. It's like, I, I, out of all of us here, I'm probably the least familiar with this property, but like the only series I've seen is 2199, like the recent one, like all together. But I was, yeah, like I was super into this movie. Like I watched it all in one shot and I didn't think I was going to. I thought I was going to like, I, I was like, uh, I'll watch an hour tonight and then I'll finish it the next night. But I stayed up like the other night, like, well, I was like, I got to see the end of this now. So like I was really into it and I'm glad like uh, I made the time to watch it and or you guys like foisted it upon me or whatever, but. <laughs> Yeah, like I, I'm really happy. Now I'm kind of in the mood to like, you know, rewatch either 2199 or, you know, go hunt something down in a similar vein. So, yeah. I liked it. It was good. <laughs> it made me go. <laughs> uh, but no, really, like if you haven't watched it, I would highly recommend watching it, especially if you like stuff like, you know, uh, new Battlestar Galactica or maybe even like Babylon 5 even. You know... There's something that I did notice that being in the Navy, I I was like, wait a minute. Okay, there's no gravity in space. <laughs> All right, so leaning hard to port, having to strap everything down is a load of horse hockey. Because I've been on a ship that had to go hard to one side or the other, and yeah, everything falls over like that. But I'm like, wait a minute. They're producing their own gravity, doesn't it? They could spin in a circle for all they Right, Gene? Are you with me on this? I, I agree with you, yeah. <laughs> So it's like, oh, we're going to flip over to the side. Everybody strap everything. No, no, no. But yeah, aside from that. So if you guys, I think you and I had discussed this once, Gene. I don't remember who we picked. If 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 you guys were going to do a big Hollywood budget remake of this, who would be like your, who would you want for the roles? Would we want to stay with traditional Japanese Oriental actors or... You know, would we just go nuts? Anybody have any any dream casting for this movie or the or the anime? I'm I'm hesitant to go down that road because when Derek <laughs> said like Michael Bay, like I was like, oh, oh God, like thank God Analyzer didn't pee on anyone. Or well, I would have liked to have seen Tashir Mafuni, who's no longer with us. I would have liked to have seen him as Captain. Uh, well, for me, it's Avatar, but it's Okita, right? Yeah, I do. I said yes. Yep. So uh, he was a he was a great actor. I think he would have been perfect for that role. You know what was what was interesting, and I, I don't know if this is um, if this is like super relevant or whatever, but I, I did see that they were talking about how like another actress was in the running to play Yuki and yeah when, when I, I looked her up I think the one they got was better you know what's funny though like uh, sorry this just totally hits all my buttons you know and I was just like 
like this picture i'm just putting the link in there like she doesn't always look like this but when i saw that picture and like because her hair is dyed blonde i was just like oh she looks just like you know like the anime character or whatever so there was that one one moment where i was mm. looking it's like her name's erica sawajiri and i was just kind of like wow she looks like at least in that that headshot photo or whatever like she looks just like uh, Yuki. So I was kind of like, oh, that would be interesting to see. Like, like, just get rid of that five percent for me. Like, where where you've got you know the guy from you know the latest season of Agents of Shield as the blue Deathlock guy or whatever, and then and then you've got you know people oh, that, that have like blonde yeah, so, or whatever. He would be great. You know, yeah, that. yeah. Right. So like, so, something like that. Like, I'd be into like just just excising that last five percent. He's already blue. Yeah, he's already he's blue. Perfect. <laughs> he's perfect. He's I didn't perfect. even think of that. He, oh, that is awesome. You know, I knew. <laughs> Damn it! I've been watching it all season, and I knew that guy. I'm just looking, so like, you know, I've seen this character somewhere before, well, you know, you but know, I just you know didn't else? hit me that he was Deathlock. You know what else? I, I've been calling like I, I keep ragging on Shield every week with these guys, but but I kind of call that guy like the poor man's Grand Admiral Thrawn, I guess, because I was like, you know, he's not he's not quite there, but he wishes he was Grand Admiral Thrawn. He wishes, you know? but he's nowhere near Thrawn. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, yeah. That that's he's, he's got daddy him. issues. So, so what about you, Gene? Any any last thoughts? Any any uh, things to pimp and promote? <laughs> well, I'm not going to get into the whole fan casting thing because I did that completely anglicizing the whole thing back in a blog post I did on February 26, 2015. Go to thehammerstrikes.com to find that <laughs> to segue into the pimping. But I I enjoy the movie. I mean, I know I had complaints about it, but I. That is in retrospect from watching 2199. The movie itself, as a standalone thing, I I really enjoyed. I liked the care they put into it. The fact that they had leather jackets of the uniforms. Oh, that was cool, yes. I, I want one of those. Mm. Give, give me Tokugawa's. I, I, I need the bigger size. You know, for, uh, for a while they sold those, and I looked into it, but they were like $400, so... Yeah, it's... <laughs> I'll, I'll get my wife to make one out of pleather. I'll be close <laughs> enough. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think anyone, if you, if you like 2199, if you like the original Star Blazers, or if you just like space opera, this is a good one to go. Go find. Less than two and a half hours, tells the whole story, gives you some great characters, some nice arcs. I would highly recommend it. Now, as, as to where you can find me, not not very many places at the moment. As as Bill alluded to, uh, we are both very busy with real life. <laughs> so, podcasting is kind of on hold. So, anim Anime Freaks, all the shows Bill and I do can be found at twotruefreaks.com. T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. We do Anime Freaks together. Bill, I'll let you get into your shows in a minute. I do the Quantum Cast with my buddy Adam Worth about the Marvel superhero Quasar, the Kevin Bacon of the Marvel Universe. Again, not any new episodes out on that just because life. My main show is the Hammer Podcast, which is the, the podcast version of my blog, which is anything geeky that comes into my mind. Which, when this episode comes out, there will be a new episode of. Ooh. Episode 25. Which was recorded a year and a half ago. <laughs> but it's just now coming out. 
but that's that's what happens. Well, my wife got a job, my free time went away. And you can find my thoughts every Thursday at thehammerstrikes.com. That's my blog where it's just whatever comes into my head. Like I said, you know, things like casting Richard Basehart as Captain Avatar would be one of those things. And I try and keep, I try and do that every Thursday. Recently, it, I had an issue just due to health, but every other time you can, you can find me there. And that's, and I like this, I come on other people's shows because that's a lot less time on my end. I get to do the fun part. I don't have to do the editing for this one. Mm-hmm. So, Bill, do you want to pimp bins and um, listen to the prophets, etc., etc.? Yeah, yeah. As Gene said, uh, we were both on Anime Freaks, that, and I'm the editor for that, and my wife has been dominating my computer, <laughs> much like it sounds like Gene's, or just time-wise. So I've been not able to get on the editing ball as like I used to, but I am regularly on back to the bins weekly on Saturdays. And since, I mean, I've already thanked Derek on my show, but I'll thank him on this show. He had helped me, sent me some issues of the Avengers that helped me finish my Avengers volume one collection, which is now totally complete all annuals, everything. I have all issues and I've actually have all volumes up to current Right now, day to day as they come out, I'm getting them all. You know, they're they're dropping one a week right now, and I'm picking them up. I have all issues, the whole history of the Avengers. Now, maybe not all the specials, but I've got annuals, issues done all the way back. But you can hear me on Back to the Bins with Paul Spataro and Scott Gardner, and occasionally one of us will make it, and there'll be another guest on there. Also, I am on Listen to the Prophets, where we're going episode by episode through Star Trek Deep Space Nine. If you go back and listen to the beginning, I was not on some of the beginning shows. Gene is actually on a guest spot on a few of those shows as well, but Paul Spataro, myself, and Andrew Leyland are now regularly on that show, and we record like we've got about eight or nine episodes in the can and paul is the little podcasting editing machine with that one and occasionally you'll hear me on other shows around and about like this one so that's pretty much it for me thanks for having me on i appreciate it yes thank you guys yeah yeah no this is this is a lot of fun and i'm glad i'm glad we could all get together and talk about this and everything and I guess for, for our own shows, if you've enjoyed listening to what we consider this, the Fan Holes podcast proper, we hope you enjoy checking out all of our special shows. We've got Toku Thursdays, Sentai Saturdays, Mobile Suit Mondays, Transformers Tuesdays, Comics Motherfucker, Do You Read Them, Big in Japan, where we talk about anime, and we've got Thunderbolts, Not Entirely Like Lightning, a uh, uh, Justice, Not Entirely Like Lightning, a Thunderbolts podcast, and so we've got all those spin-off shows, it's, it's more to keep us interested, but we hope you enjoy them, and yeah, and, and of course we're on iTunes, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We appreciate all the likes, feedback, retweets, listens, etc. And until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, readying the wave cannon, motion cannon to fire, signing off. Hey, it's Mike, signing off. This is Justin, crazy cat lady, signing off. This is Gene, signing off. This is Dr. Bill. What am I doing again? Never mind. <laughs>
Giving Paul stuff for the soundboard. That's what you're doing. That's my job. Sound clip boy. Awesome. Awesome. We're all doing a little salute now. Got to like, you know, pound our chests or whatever. Thanks, guys. What well, are we, they... Romulans? Yeah, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> we just no, we just don't follow through. We just don't put the very, hand out. It's a very imperial, like, salute. Like, they're very, like, yes, for the Empire. What Empire? The yeah. Earth Empire. The irradiated Earth Empire. <laughs> Radiation, woo! If you don't salute the Tel Shiar, we'll come for you. 